lot of stress in playing for people who are singing. So I appreciate Mr. Joyce playing for us week after week. Proverbs chapter number 4 in your Bible tonight. I'm going to bring on these four Sunday nights of February uh, four sermons about the heart. And I'd encourage you to take your book out tonight. A relate. You can, you can mute that one right there. Thank you, sir. Then we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 4 tonight. And the word heart appears in this chapter a few times. We'll look at these things together. The word heart appears 865 times uh, throughout the Bible. And if you look for hearts, hearted, the number gets up to 975 times it appears in the Bible. Now, when we see the word heart in the Bible, it's important that we take notice of it and understand it properly. When the Bible says heart, does it mean the muscle that beats within your chest? Or does it mean something else? Oftentimes, you'll hear people talk about having uh, head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. Have you ever heard that before? Now, what does that mean? It's, it's an unusual term, heart. And here in this chapter, the word heart appears uh, three times. I'd like to point something out to you. Is in verse number four, the Bible says, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words and keep my commandments and live. In verse number 21, it says, Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. In verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, this word heart means it's a pictorial language. It's a pictorial word. It means our mind. It means our mind. There's no such thing as heart knowledge and head knowledge. Oftentimes people say they have it in their mind but not in their heart. They have head knowledge but not heart knowledge. And they'll say that head knowledge is inferior to heart knowledge. But that's not so. We only have three parts to our body. We have a body, we have a spirit, and we have a soul. Our body, obviously we can see it tonight. Our spirit is the life force that makes our heart beat and our brain work. It's the electricity, that life force that God has given to all creatures. In fact, in Ecclesiastes it says that the spirit returns to God who gave it. And that's referring to all people everywhere. That spark of life that makes your body work. The body goes to the ground. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And then we know that the soul is an immortal part of us. It will go to heaven or it will go to hell for eternity. And it is our soul that is who we are. It is our soul that is our mind, our consciousness. It is our heart. All these things are metaphors for the same thing, our innermost man. Now here in our text, and I want to prove that to you, by the way, about the heart being the mind. Look at Psalms 119, verse number 11. Psalms 119, verse number 11. Now here is one of the most, one of the clearest examples of it, probably, of the heart being the mind, is in verse number 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Now if we're going to memorize the Bible, memorize instructions from the Lord, are we going to memorize them and put them into our memory, which is our mind? Certainly we will. We're lodging it inside of us. And this word heart is a pictorial word. We're going to take these words and put them inside of us in a very vital place, saying that these words are very important. Now, the heart is one of the most important, best 
organs in your body. It's the heart that causes something to flow throughout your body. What is it? It's your blood. But your heart will not pump unless the brain tells it to pump, right? Right? And the heart and the brain can't work unless it gets the blood from the heart. These things are connected. These are vital elements. And so when it says we're hiding God's Word in our heart, we're saying these are very important. We're poking them down in the most important place we have, down in our inner man. Look at Proverbs chapter number 3. And you'll notice again what the Bible says here about this heart business being the mind. Proverbs 3, 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Put it inside of you. Burn it into your mind, into your memory. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 21. The Bible says this. Bind them. He's talking about the commandments in verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually about, bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. Of course, we understand this to be metaphorical language. We're not really going to tie these things to our neck. It's not going to be burned into the muscle that is our heart. We are putting them into our inner man. We're putting them into our mind, into our memory. We're taking this external information and we're internalizing it and making it a part of who we are. The mind is the control center of all of our behavior. Everything that we do begins in our mind. Everything we say begins in our mind. Everything we choose to do, every appetite we have, all those things begin in our mind and come out from the inside. So the mind controls our behavior. It controls our actions. Actions begin in the mind and pour forth in the flesh. Now let us look tonight at Proverbs chapter number 4 and we'll see some warnings given to us here in our text. In verses 1 through 4, The father is speaking to his son. Proverbs is written by a father to his son. And part of it are the the Proverbs of Solomon. Some of them are the Proverbs of Agar. In verse number 1 it says, Hear ye children, the instruction of a father, attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. In this instructive chapter in verse number 1, the Father says, I want you to listen to me. I want you to let these words soak down into you because of who I am and what I am to you. He says, this is the voice of someone who loves you Deeply, This is the voice of someone who has a vested interest in you. I am your Father. That means that I willfully, purposefully, had a part in bringing you into this world. I am charged with the keeping of you and the protecting of you. I'm your Father. Listen to what I'm saying because of who I am to you. I'm your father. Now a father loves like no one else loves. A mother's love is like no one else's love. They, that love is bestowed upon a person not because they deserve that love but it's given to them because they are simply of the same blood of the same house of the same family. And he says, I am your father. Listen to me. Listen to who is talking to you. It's your father speaking to you. 
And then he says, listen to me because I'm not only your father and I love you like no one else. Listen to me because I am a son. Notice in verse number 3, he says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved. I had been a son. And my father and my mother, they told me these things because they loved me. And because they loved me, they imparted these words to me, these heart words. My mother and father loved me and passed them down to me. And because I love you, I'm taking what they taught me and I'm passing it down through me to you. He's saying, please, listen to me. Let these words not just be... He's saying, let these words penetrate. Take these words in because of who I am. Now, we all have people we like better than other people, don't we? How many of you have somebody who you would say might fall into the enemy class at your workplace? Nobody? <laughs> Where do you work at, Lord? You're talking about your brother, probably. There's, there's people who, who they can come and tell us something, and we don't really put much stock in what they say. We hold them in low esteem. Now here, the father is saying, I want you to listen to me because I'm your father. I love you. Listen to these words. Now, in the Bible, these are the words of God Himself. And if you're here tonight and you're a believer, that makes God your Father. And we should take His words to heart. They're not, they're not the grand suggestions. These are not just uh, words upon the wind. These are words from God our Father directed to His children for our benefit. Which brings us to the second, uh, second half of this chapter. In verses 5-22, through 22, this Father says, If you listen to Me, you will benefit from my words. If you will listen to me, you'll benefit from my words. In verse number six, he says, These words will protect you. Look at it, look what it says. Forsake her not. He's talking about getting wisdom. Forsake wisdom not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Seek after wisdom. Now, if you want to know what wisdom is, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. How many of you here tonight know how to? Aim and fire a, a firearm, a gun of some kind. You could hit, you could hit a target. That's a lot of us. Now, if you took that gun, now that knowledge is important knowledge. What would be a wrong use of that knowledge? Shooting out street lights, shooting people at random just because you know you don't like them, sitting up on a high hill somewhere and taking pot shots at Walmart. You know, the people coming out. That'd be a wrong use of knowledge. A right use of knowledge would be to use that in warfare or to protect your home or to kill a deer or to punch holes in a, in a target to win a trophy. That's a right use of knowledge. Now, many people have all kinds of knowledge, but they use it wrongly. Wisdom is using knowledge properly. And he says here, if you will get wisdom, if you will love wisdom, it will protect you. If you will listen to my words, it will keep you safe. When I was a kid growing up, I don't know if it was just... I, 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 I tried to think about this, about history, about how things were. seems like when I was a kid, there must have been a lot of kidnapping. I don't know. Was there ever a time when kidnapping seemed to be more popular? Dennis is saying yes. And when I was a kid, I guess, I guess people kidnapped a lot more than they do now, I, I guess. Because I can remember every time we went into a store, my dad would say, if somebody tries to grab you, you scream and holler and knock stuff off the shelf and make a lot of noise. 
because I don't want him to take you. Now, he never said it to my little brother. I don't know why. <laughs> no, he said it to both of us. He said the same thing to both of us. And, and my dad, would, he, he alarmed us. He said, do this. And my dad, my mom would say, if you're standing in the aisle looking at toys and some adult comes over and starts, you know, standing beside you and you move over and they move over, she said, get away from them. They're, they're spooky people. You watch out. All these things my mom and dad told me. Don't talk to strangers. If somebody, if a stranger comes up in a car and says, hey, I got some candy, don't go over there. A stranger comes up and says, hey, I'm looking for my dog. I lost my dog. Come help me find my dog. Come look at these pictures. All these things were warnings from my father to be careful. Watch out. And by heeding those words, he was trying to keep me safe. And here in our text tonight, God is saying, if you will listen to wisdom, if you will listen to my words, to my instruction, it will protect you. In local church ministry, most of the time, when people join a church, or they come to a church and get saved and become baptized and become a part of that body, sometimes they're coming from a life that has been messed up been messed up. I talked to a lot of people uh, who have been divorced and they've remarried. And sometimes the reason they got divorced in the first place was because they they didn't either they were a Christian and married a lost person. And when you do that, you're you're, you're headed for trouble. Isn't that right? Doesn't the Bible say that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers? If you're a saved person, that means that if you want to get married, when you look across the field, the first thing you should look for is a saved person above all things. Because if a saved person marries a lost person, you've got one person who's trying to live for God and one person who's living for the devil, and they don't go the same way, do they? You see, the marriage does not grow together. It grows apart. It causes a problem. And then when the kids come into the picture, you've got an even bigger problem. You've got dad trying to live for God, a mom doing something else, or dad doing something else, a mom living for God, and the kids are pulled in two, and it causes all kinds of heartache. When, if that Christian person had just married right in the first place, they could have saved a whole lot of problems. But even then... It doesn't always work out right. You can marry another Christian person. And that Christian person can go haywire and get off into all kinds of sin and wreck a home. But sometimes, most of people's problems come from not doing it God's way the first time around. If you do it God's way the first time around, you will be protected from a lot of heartache and a lot of woe in this world. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? Do it God's way the first time. And if you did it the wrong way the first time, you should do your best to tell your children not to make the mistakes that you made. Don't try to gloss it over. I mean, be honest with people and say, look, that was the wrong thing. And you say, well, I don't want to say that because my kid will say, you know, you messed up, so how can you judge me? You say, I can judge you because I'm smarter than you and I messed up and I want to save you the same heartache. The same heartache. Don't let a kid, kid will try to cow you, back you into a corner. A child will try to control their parents. They'll use guilt, and they'll pout, and they'll throw a fit, and they'll try to get their way. And yeah, it, it, it isn't, isn't it incredible how a little bitty nothing can make a big old person bow down to them? It's crazy. It's crazy. And if you kids are doing that, if you're trying to operate and manipulate your mother or your father, you are doing a horrible, horrible thing. 
You should submit to your mom and dad and do the right thing. Obey them and honor them because they're putting food in your belly and clothes on your back. And you ought to be very grateful for those things. Amen? Thank you. In verses 8-13, through it says, If you listen to my words, there's promotion. How many of you would like a promotion? Well, how many of you would like the ultimate promotion? <laughs> That's the go to heaven. That's the ultimate promotion. Wisdom will promote you and help you go up in life. The Bible says here in verse 8, Exalt her and she shall do what? Have a high view of wisdom. Seek after it. Love wisdom. Exalt wisdom in doing the wise thing and there will be promotion come your way. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. Now this ornament of grace, the word grace, always means the same thing essentially throughout the Bible. It always means favor. Favor. And you can think of it as being in someone's good graces or being on their good side. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, of honor, of accolade shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, shall not be limited or hindered and you shall not stumble if you'll take these words to heart. Take these words to heart. If you'll allow them to seep in and penetrate your mind and change the way you behave. If you can change a person, if you can change a person's mind about something, you can change their behavior. But you've got to change their mind. And you've got to change your way of thinking about life before you can change the way you're living your life. It's right here. It's right between the ears where it all takes place. That's why the Apostle Paul, when he's talking to the Gentile churches, he says the Jews want a sign. But the Gentile people, they want to, their minds have to be stimulated. Their minds have to be provoked. That's why the Bible says we reprove and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Because Gentile people are cognitive. They want to know the reason why. And if you can show them the reason why, you can help them to grow in their life and become what God wants them to be. But even with that being said, you can explain with sound logic and reason to people all you want. Dennis was talking to me this morning about somebody who was trying to explain something to you about the Bible. And he says, like their mind was closed. Is that right, Dennis? That's your word? And like they were just all messed up. Well, you know what? It takes the Holy Spirit to open their minds. It takes sound reason and logic and it takes the Holy Spirit. I've talked to people about the Gospel and witnessed to them and got them to say, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm going to hell. And yes, I believe Jesus is the only way. And I say, will you trust the Lord today? And they say, I will not trust the Lord today. Well, man, what do you mean you won't trust the Lord? I'm not going to do it. You're lost? Yeah, you're going to go to hell? Yes, you believe Jesus is the only way? Yes, but you will not trust the Lord? No! Well, why won't they? Because the Holy Spirit has to prick them too. The Holy Spirit has to open their heart and change their mind to where they want to get saved. Make them thirsty, you might say. Now, I don't have the power to make somebody thirsty. The Bible says salvation is of the Lord. God works in people and brings to Christ. Verses 14 through 19 says these things will keep you from fall. Keep you from a fall. 
Now, in verses 14 through 19, I had the mark of the red pencil. Is this section is talking about evil, do, evil doers and evil deeds. The warning here from the Father is, Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. And then it says in verse 15, Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. What do you think he's saying about the way of evil men? Is he saying go down that road a little ways and see how it is so you'll know not to go that way any further? Just stay off of it altogether. Avoid the path of the evildoer. Verse 16 says they don't sleep except they do mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause someone to fall. They get their kicks out of messing people's lives up. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. By contrast, the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more. It's the perfect day. But the way of the wicked is as darkness and they know not at what they stumble. If you'll listen to my words, he says, you won't fall. You won't trip. In verse 22, he says that these things are life and health. That's what the words of the Lord can bring to you. Life and health. The words of the Lord can bring you the ultimate health. What is the ultimate health? Everlasting health. <laughs> That's the ultimate health, isn't it? I mean, you can't improve upon that. Does it get any better than that? Now, in verse 21, we see the Father, the second time He used, He mentions the word heart. In verse number 4, He says, Let thine heart retain My words. Let these things come in into you. Don't be closed-minded. minded and then he says in verse 1, Let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. Keep them in the forefront of your consciousness. Keep them in the forefront of your mind. Keep them there. Now how can you keep the words of the Lord in the forefront of your mind? There's only one way, and that's every day looking at them. Every day looking at them. Uh, in the, we had a trustees meeting a little while ago. And Jackie was giving me a hard time about my, about my phone. I was hunting through it, looking for something. And he said, I got a calendar. I just opened my calendar and there it is. Well, you know what? That's how, that's how he keeps... Uh, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how many horses you shoe during the week, Jackie. But that's how Jackie knows week to week where he's going to be. Keeps it in the forefront of his mind. Do you take that calendar with you? Everywhere. Because he wants to know. He wants to be, he wants to be aware of where he's got to be and what he's got to do. It's important. And the words of the Lord are more important than his phone, than my phone and his calendar. The words of the Lord are the most important thing in the world. And if we want to keep the words of the Lord in the forefront of our mind, we've got to do two things. Number one, we've got to put them into our mind. And then we've got to be looking at them to keep them there in our minds. Keep these things going through. Be sure we've got a right understanding of them. And listen, my friends, when you neglect God's Word, you're... you're it's, it, it's like tying one hand behind your back and fighting a boxer. You're, you're in bad shape. You might, you might do well, but you might not. I'll guarantee you'll get hit more often than if you have both hands. God's Word is important. It's vital to our life. It's not something we put at the end of our day. It's not something we put the, at the end of our priority list. It should be at the top. It's the words of living God. These are God's instructions. If these words, if you'll take them in, there's benefit for you. And then verses 23 to 27, we're warned to guard. Guard our hearts. Verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips, put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Part of the path of thy feet, 
And let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And so in verse 23, we see this instruction to guard our heart. Keep our heart with all diligence. Now the words here, keeping the heart with all diligence, is like making a deposit in the bank. Now when I make a deposit at the bank, I give my money to the bankeress, amen? (laughs) And she takes my money and she writes a receipt and hands it to me. And then she takes that money and she puts it in a drawer. And then she, and I don't think it's locked all the time, but they got a drawer and they can lock that drawer. And before the night is over, they'll get everything balanced and they put all that money in a safe spot. And at the bank, you, you can't just go in there anytime you want. They have security. You know, they got safes and all that stuff. They're taking care of that deposit. They're guarding it. And the Bible here says, guarding, keeping our heart with all diligence is like watching over a deposit. Now, how many of you have money that you don't want to lose? Say amen. And you try to do everything you can to keep it safe. I mean, uh, uh, this year is the first year I've ever, I've ever bought mutual funds and, and, and stocks and I don't have a lot of money in it, but I've been trying to make preparation for the days when, uh, you know, I want to retire. Amen. And live, and live off my savings. And you start saving money. You got insurance and all that stuff. And you want to put your money in a safe investment, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, you want to put your money where you know it's going to not only make money, but be safe <laughs> while it makes you money. I, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing to be involved in sometimes, I think. Might be better off putting a jar in the backyard. I don't know. But anyhow, what was I saying? You, you're guarding it. Guarding our heart, our minds, like we guard our money. Keeping our heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of our heart come the issues of life. Now, I've interpreted this a lot of times, literally, in my thinking. I'm going to keep an eye on my heart because of the things that my heart does for me. This heart. This heart pumps and pushes blood throughout my body, right? It makes sure the blood goes to my brain. It makes sure the blood goes to my kidneys to be cleansed. It makes sure that blood carries oxygen to all my uh, all my parts, you know, and it refreshes my skin. There's all that stuff. I've interpreted it literally almost my whole life. But it's not a literal thing. It's talking about our mind. Our mind. Keeping our mind with all diligence. Because it's from our mind that the issues of life come from. Now, this word issues is an interesting word. It literally could be translated boundaries. Boundaries. Keep thy mind. Think of it like this. Keep thy mind with all diligence because it establishes the boundaries of your living. You see how that works? The boundaries. What are boundaries? Boundaries are fences. Boundaries are places that we're not going to go past. It's a wall in our life. And i got to keep my mind right, because if I don't keep my mind right, then my boundaries could get put in the wrong place. For instance, if I say in my mind, it's okay to have four or five beers every day, well, that's going to put my boundary in a dangerous spot. Because could I be drunk on four or five beers? It depends on who you are, but probably yes. And so then I put myself in a dangerous spot, don't I? 
What if I, what if my mind begins to say, there's nothing wrong with smoking marijuana. There's nothing wrong with using a little dope. Man, that puts the boundary over here in a dangerous place. So we've got to guard our minds. We're guarding our heart with all diligence. Because if my mind gets messed up, then my life gets messed up. See how that works? If you take a boy and you fill his mind with filth, when that boy grows up, what's he going to be? Filth. Filth. We live in a world where every, everything is trying to influence our minds. There's a, there is a mass attack upon the minds of people. In the media. We live in a media-rich age. Every one of us in this room is affected by the media. It's everywhere. And I don't mean the media like the news. I mean audio, visual, TV, radio, everything. It's all just by. We're bombarded by it. Even now, our phones. If, uh, on my phone now, if I want to call, used to, you could call uh, 1411 on my phone, unlimited, and they would just say, you know, what city, what town, and I'd tell them. But now if you dial 1411 on it, you've got to listen to commercials while you're waiting on them to give you your number. It's frustrating. Trying to control our minds. Control our minds. The newspaper, commercials, are trying to get into our mind. Because if they can get into your mind, they can get into your life. Tonight, on TV, there are going to be all kinds of great commercials about the Super Bowl. I mean, not about Super Bowl, but all those legendary commercials, you know, Super Bowl commercials. I could even remember one of them right now. But you know how commercials are? They get in your head. If I said tonight, where is the beef? What commercial was that for? Wendy, you remember that? Wendy's, where's the beef? And then, uh, oh, I can't, I can't even remember. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm those late watchers. Give us a week and we'll what? <laughs> Valerie knows that. I was, I was slim fast, you know. All that it gets, it gets. What? I'm loving it. Oh, okay. I'm That's right. Yeah. Was that Burger King? Was that, and then uh, you know we're gonna run for the border. Where are we gonna go? <laughs> yeah. All, all that stuff gets into our minds, and it's all. And that's just that's just dumb food commercials. So it's they want to get into our brains. Want to get in there, and we got to be careful what we let come into our minds. Got to be careful. Now, I like music. Just like everybody likes music. I told you many times. Uh, rock and roll music. I, I love it. My flesh loves it. When I hear a rock and roll song, I want to stop and listen to it. I like country. I quote enough country songs. I, I like. I like music. But that music and all that stuff. I don't listen to that stuff in the car too much. And really, sometimes when I do, I know I shouldn't do it. But it gets into your mind. It, it soaks in there and it, it affects you. It's sending a message. It's sending a message to you. My dad listens to talk radio all the time. If I listen to talk radio as much as my dad listens to talk radio, I would go home and pull a pull a uh, pull a Hithophel. What did a Hithophel do? He went home and hung himself. I, you know, it just makes you nuts. Got Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and and uh, uh, the Alan Alan Combs and there just yada 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 yada. It's depressing. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. And they're, they're all trying to affect our mind. They're all trying to do it. The media trying to. <laughs> uh, Carolyn, she's pointing at Bush. <laughs> you know, it just it, it eats away at your mind, and you got to guard your mind because if your mind gets messed up, 
Your life will get messed up. Because from your heart, from your inner man comes the issues of life. What you're going to do and be with your life is determined by what you're doing in your mind. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And there we go. Thinking where? In our heart or in our mind? But you see, it's using this word heart. It's telling us how vital this is. It's our inner man. It's our life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaketh. All these things. And so he says to his son, he says, protect your heart, boy. Protect it. Keep it. Guard it. An unguarded heart will be a corrupted heart. An unguarded mind will be a corrupted mind. You can see in the young people of our world, because they dress and act just like the people on television do. Because that's who their influencer is. When I was a kid, uh, we, 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 it was a show we used to watch, Saved by the Bell. Have you ever seen Saved by the Bell? Marianne and Seth and I, we're all about the same, about the same age. Did you ever watch that, Seth? Oh, you watch it every day, I know. You had, you had a tattoo. <laughs> Tell the truth, boy. You know, he, he wanted to admit it. Valor sits right here Saturday. No, it was your brother. <laughs> you know, people, it, it, that was, that was for us. That was, man, for me, older people, maybe some other show. But that was, that was us. That's what we, we, we start, you see how they dressed, how they acted, and girls did their hair that way. And that was just, it, we affected by those things. Affected by it. And you want to, you get, 90210 was real popular when I was, a, when I was a uh, young boy, teenage, you know, that stupid Jason Priestley haircut, you know, kind of a modified flat top with long hair on the side, combed back. First person I ever saw who combed back his sideburns was him, you know, combing back. And, and the style and the way people dressed affected you. And all this stuff, it just, it just, it's out there. And you gotta guard yourself against it. Guard yourself against it. I see, you see boys around town. We don't see them in Hope too much because we're still kind of a redneck area. But you go to other places and you see boys with pants that are as tight as pantyhose. Have you seen that? They're the pant. They're skinny-legged pants, and and they look stupid. I mean, you can see every bump on them, and it's just it's like, you know, why would you want to do that? Why would a boy want to wear pants that look like hose? It's ridiculous. When I was a boy, it was cool for girls to wear tight pants and big tops, but I never seen a man I wanted to see in tight pants. You know what I mean? It, just, it, it looks foolish, and the girls shouldn't dress that way either. But it's just—it's nuts. And we're—and they wear—I've seen with a, with a white with a white belt with bumps all all around it. You know, of course, a white. There's nothing wrong with a white belt if you have white shoes. Amen. <laughs> you know, all the, and you see how people are dressing. It's just. They're being influenced by something. Something's influencing them. Something is putting pressure on them. They're seeing this. And, you, and you're, I'm going to walk around this thing a hundred times now, I guess. And, you're, and your brain just get, it gets bombarded by that stuff. And you begin to think that's normal. That's the way it should be. That's cool. And you know, the, the best day in your life will be the day when you don't care what's cool anymore. You care what's comfortable. Amen? <laughs> I, you don't care anymore. You don't care if they look nice. You just want to know if it's comfortable. Comfortable, you know. 
pants with a flexible waist, you know, <laughs> expanding waist. <laughs> you get, look forward to those days when you have to worry about that stuff anymore. Cool doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't talk about being cool. It just talks about being right. And get right, be right with God. Keep your mind right. And if, you know, it's interesting here how the heart, it says guard your heart. And then in verse 24, it starts talking about put away from the a forward mouth. So it says your mind, it connects to your mouth. In verse 25, it's your eyes. In verse 26, it's your feet, what you're doing, what you're, how you're living. And then in verse number 27, he says to the boy, he says, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Get your mind focused on wisdom and on the words of the Lord and keep it there. Don't turn to the left and don't turn to the right. Stay on the path of wisdom. Stay on the path of the Lord. Stay in the Lord's way. Stay in the Lord's word. And there will be benefits to you. There will be benefits to you. It will be good for you. You can avoid so many things. Set your mind toward wise living and do not deviate. Stay on the right. And the first step to stay on the right is realizing and understanding how important it is to keep your mind right. Keeping your mind on the Lord. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, keeping your mind on the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.